This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. At 800-919-3776. At Dan Grosser is where you can get us on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. You know, once upon a time at the beginning of the program, we put up a uh, poll question on said Twitter account, just with the big sporting events this weekend here in New York. And I was curious as to, like, what people's preferences were. So what sporting event most anticipating this weekend? The Mets, the Judge stuff, and then the two football teams right now. And we still have about an hour left in the polls, so log on and vote. It's free of charge. Mets-Braves right now has a healthy lead, 42.7%. Um say that you're going to be locked into the Mets this weekend. The Judge stuff at 32%, and then the Jets are about 14, Giants at 11. And that is what the uh, the eyes are going to be on here, at least in uh, the New York sports viewing area for this upcoming weekend. As far as the baseball and what's going on right now, at Yankee Stadium, uh, Judge has had three plate appearances tonight. He's got a hit, he's got a walk, but he doesn't have a home run. And the Yanks are trailing 2-1 in the sixth inning. Biggest news, though, for the Yankees in that game, Zach Britton, who relieved Domingo Herman, threw nine pitches in the sixth inning and then had to depart with the trainer. Don't know why, don't have an official word, but certainly it's health-related. Not what you want to see, certainly, for the Yankees' southpaw, and you hope it's not anything significant with the playoffs right around the corner. And Britton has had, you know, a, a tough time just trying to round into form after missing as much time as he did due to injury. Now, more importantly, in terms of the standings in Atlanta, Mets are trailing the Braves 3-1 in the sixth inning. It had been 2-1, but then moments ago, Dansby Swanson just greeted Jacob DeGrom with a solo blast. Well, I don't think has even landed yet. So DeGrom has given up three solo home runs tonight. And is it as much of an abomination as it was Saturday in Oakland? No, it's not. But still, I mean, wh- where is this Jacob DeGrom? I mean, he's got 10 strikeouts. So, like, you get the good, but then you get the bad as well here because he can't keep the ball in the ballpark. I mean, the Mets staked him out to a one nothing lead in the top of the second inning. And what does he do in the bottom half of the frame? He goes out there and gives up back-to-back home runs um, to Austin Riley and to Matt Olson. And now he gives up another one to Swanson. So the Mets are having a hard time generating any offense whatsoever, and you wouldn't think that would be the case. Max Freed, they got even a break because Freed, who was cruising along through five innings, had retired the last ten Mets he faced. He left the game after five because he wasn't feeling well. And now Colin McHugh, the former Met, has taken over for him. So the Met bats need to wake up here tonight and bail out Jacob DeGrom. They trail 3-1 in the sixth inning. So we'll keep you up to date as to what is going on with the baseball. But we're talking football as our Football Friday extravaganza rolls on. You've heard from Tom Thayer on the Chicago Bears, part of our Behind Enemy Line series. Greg Buttle joined me to preview the Jets-Steelers game, and we'll talk to Jordan Renan, who, of course, covers the Giants for us here at ESPN, coming up at 9.30. We'll do our picks as well coming up here this hour. But let's go back to the phones. Anthony in Brooklyn. He's going to start us off here in this hour on 98.7 ESPN. Anthony, how are you? Hey, Dan. I'm good. Great show as always. Always a pleasure listening to you. Uh, You know, two things. Uh, One of the things is that, I mean, I I played football in college 30, 40 years ago. Played it in high school. Mm -hmm. You were always taught to see what you hit. I I, I still never understand why, why the NFL doesn't you know, come down hard on, on people that make tackles or, or have tackles where, you know, the person making the tackle doesn't have their eyes up and aren't seeing what they're hitting. I think that would stop a lot of injuries. And and as the part for, like, something that happened to Tua last night, 
I remember five years ago that they were really talking about, and I even saw helmets like it, where on the back of the helmet, they were kind of like little, uh, kind of like uh, shock absorbers. That because they said that it's, you know, you can make any kind of helmet you want, but, you know, as far as playing the game head on, but when that head snaps back, they were saying that they were really close to where, you know, it, it would limit the impact by like, like about 85% because of the little shock absorbers that would be back there. I'm, I'm just surprised nothing ever advanced with that because I think the technology is there. I understand they want to make everything look good, but I, I think in the back of the helmet is where with the quarterbacks, their head always snaps back and, and, and hits that turf. No, you're right, and it's scary, Anthony, and thanks for the phone call. And if you remember, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, and for maybe the fans that don't know, this year during training camp, all the teams in the NFL were wearing the – it looked silly. They almost looked like Lego men. It was those like – well, the ones that the Jets wore were like black. Those like They were extra like black kind of padding covers that they put on top of their helmets. And it's really the guys who played the collision position, so like the linemen, the linebackers, and so on and so forth. Um, and they wore those pretty much through the balance of training camp and in the preseason, not during games, of course, but at least in practice once they got the pads on because they're trying to minimize the contact as much as possible and to keep them safer. And, you know, to a certain degree, it's working, you know, or else they wouldn't be doing it. So there is a little bit of data there to imply that, you know, what the league has done and the initiatives that they've taken it is making positive strides, but in a game situation, unfortunately, what can be done? You know, I know Tom or Anthony brought up all those, you know, the, the things with the helmet and, and this and that. They've tinkered with helmet technology over the years. They really like, I mean, look at the helmets that they're wearing now, just the shape and the design, as opposed to the way the helmets used to be back in the day. You know, now they're supposedly structured a little bit better. They have a little bit more support to where, you know, if you are ever going to make a head collision that you're going to be better to absorb the shock of it. But it's football. You know, at the end of the day, that's what you keep coming back to. It is football. It is a contact sport. It is a violent sport. And most importantly, it's a collision sport. Is it not? You know, that's the one thing you can't get around. I mean, we can't we, we can't make the game two-hand touch. As dangerous as it is, you, you can't just make it a two-hand touch flag football league. That's what football is all about. Now, Chris Nowinski, who's got a wrestling background, now he's, you know, doing work, of course, with head injuries and so on and so forth. He went on Barton Hahn earlier today, and he said point blank, he didn't feel the Tua last night received enough medical attention. Where is the sense of urgency of, oh, God, if they're wrong, Tua shouldn't be out there, and we've got to step in before he might die on the football field from second impact syndrome. Like, the fact that there wasn't enough care uh, to do that just tells you, like, the, the system is broken, their hearts aren't in the right place. And I, um, if you step back, this is exactly what you'd expect from an organization that now accepts that their game causes chronic traumatic encephalopathy in an absurd percentage of NFL players. It's already published at least 20%. It's probably at least two or three times that we'll find out, and it's probably higher than that. Um, and they are still recruiting our children to the game, a game they know causes a brain disease. When I hear things like that, it takes me back to, you know, what was it, 2012, 2013, you know, when all of that concussion-type stuff 
really started to hit the surface. Remember they made the movie, the Will Smith movie, Concussion, right? And, you know, they wrote the book on it, and you had that PBS documentary series, and that was really when CTE came to the forefront, and, you know, the public and football fans alike were being educated about the dangers of playing the game and head injuries and really just, like, over the years, what type of damage it can do for you. Even if you played the game for, you know, not even on a professional level, but if you played the game, you know, just growing up, and then if you were fortunate enough to get to the NFL, you know, the wear and tear it does on your head and your brain and, and the problems it can have in your life, you know, even years after your football days have stopped. It's, it was scary. And, and that was such a priority back during those days. And it's kind of seemed like everything is not to say that it's, it's completely minimized and they're not paying attention to these things and it's not at the root care of safety issues, but it just hasn't been as much of a problem at least to get the talking points out there, which means maybe it is working, right? The steps that the league took, the initiatives it took, maybe it is having a positive impact moving forward. However, something like that happens last night, and it's going to draw the ire of the Players Association because Tua Tungabailoa, of course, is a member of the Players Association. He's a player. Damara Smith runs the Players Association. He is a lawyer by trade. He went on KJM earlier today, and he was asked, was Tua treated like a patient? I think that we have made tremendous strides over the last few years. Things that, I mean, look, all of us have seen players helping players off the field. We've seen players taking another player's helmet. By the way, we've seen the majority of team doctors and unaffiliated doctors do a great job taking a person off the field and and applying the protocols. So this isn't a question of whether the protocols work or not. Every box can be checked. Every protocol can be enacted. What concerns me and what we will be looking at is whether the doctors in this case treated this young man like a patient. And what concerns me is any indication that they did not. How much also do you hold Miami's feet to the fire in this, right? And I don't think that it's any secret. If you've been following the NFL, you see what the Dolphins have been engulfed in off the field for the last couple of seasons, right? I mean, with the lawsuits and everything with Brian Flores and, you know, the Tom Brady stuff and the Sean Payton stuff and, you know, everything here with Stephen Ross at the helm. And, oh, by the way, I was, I, I was flipping through Twitter today and I saw somebody bring up the fact that back in a playoff game, that the Dolphins played, believe it or not, under Adam Gase, when Adam Gase was still their coach. Remember, they actually made the playoffs one year? They went to Pittsburgh and played the Steelers. Matt Moore was playing quarterback because Tannehill was hurt. Matt Moore was the quarterback. Matt Moore went down. He couldn't even get up for like two minutes. Got hit in the head. They checked him out back in the game. Not that one has anything to do with the other, but I'm just saying, when you look at the Dolphins, you look at the history, hey, there's precedent to this. And I don't know what happen- what's going to happen with Tua in a week and a half, I really and truly don't. But they play the Jets next on October the 9th at MetLife Stadium. Are they going to err on the side of caution and just not play him despite everything that's happened because of all this stuff? I mean, we'll worry about that as we get into next week. But for now, you just hope that the player is okay, that the person is okay. Because that was... It literally stopped me dead in my tracks. I don't remember what the hell I was talking about last night on the air, but when I saw that, you just immediately stopped talking, and I said, like, oh, God, two was hurt. I might have even said something like that on the air. You knew it was bad. 800 We come back. 
We'll go around the league, preview all the Week 4 games for you, then Jordan Renan coming up at 9.30, then we'll give you our Week 4 picks to close out the program. Dan Gross' show right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Still same in the baseball games. 3-1 Atlanta over the Mets in the seventh. Yanks trail the O's 2-1 as they go bottom seven. Judge, no home runs tonight in three playoff appearances. Let's go around the league here, preview the week four matchups in the NFL. You got a London game this week. So on a Sunday morning, you're up early, you know, before you get into the Jets and the Giants or whatnot. You get a little football. Vikings and the Saints going to be playing in London. Um... Hey, it's not a primetime game, so you got to feel good about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and company in this matchup. Look, Saints are all banged up. No Winston, no Michael Thomas. You could be looking at Andy Dalton, but he does have Chris Alave, another wide receiver out of Ohio State. He was the offensive rookie of the month, eking out his former Buckeye teammate, Garrett Wilson. Saints have the worst turnover differential in the NFL. Don't know if it gets better this week. I like the Vikings, though, in that game. You got Cleveland visiting Atlanta. Cleveland off the mini-bye. Remember, they played on a Thursday against the Steelers, and they should be 3-0 and if not for the collapse against the Jets. Amari Cooper's really starting to flourish last couple of weeks. Both teams like to run the football. Don't know if Miles Garrett's going to play. He did meet the media today. Remember, he was in that car accident, which was a scary sight a couple of days ago. Uh, They say it's up to the doctors. I I just got a feeling he'll probably, probably play. Um, Atlanta finally got a win last week. They've been in every game this year. Their two losses have been by a total of five points. And Cordero Patterson picking up right where he left off last year. Really, really good player for them. Uh, A wide receiver turned running back. 
uh, in that offense. Buffalo visits the Baltimore Ravens. Good one in the AFC. Bills off of their first loss. How do they respond? They dominated that game against the Dolphins. And this is a matchup between two of the top three offenses in the NFL, even though the Bills are banged up on defense still. But this is the second best rushing attack defensively in the National Football League. And you wonder now how that fair is being tested by Lamar Jackson. Baltimore, meantime, they've got injuries on the back end on defense. They're the worst pass defense in the National Football League. Josh Allen could really feast here on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, Baltimore, let's face it, they should be 3-0. and They let a huge lead get away in the fourth quarter against the Miami Dolphins. And here's what Baltimore is trying to avoid. A fourth consecutive loss at home for the first time in franchise history. So they're going to try to put the brakes on that one, but they're going to be tested against the Buffalo Bills. Washington will visit Dallas. Washington can't stop the run. They're going to have to try to hit on some big pass plays in the offense with Carson Wentz and those receivers. Dallas has the best pass rush in the National Football League, my opinion. You know, Carson Wentz was sacked 14 times in the last two games. Think about that for a second, 14 times. So Dallas is probably licking their chops. Cooper Rush, how about this, could be the first quarterback in Cowboy history to win the first four starts of his career. He's going to have Michael Gallup back in this offense at wide receiver in an NFC East showdown. Seattle visits Detroit. Seahawks, you know the drill. They got a bad defense. They got a bad offense. They've allowed close to 400 yards rushing in just the last two weeks of the season. Say this about the Lions. If you haven't watched much, their offense is good. It's like really, really good. They're averaging over 30 points a pop. The only problem is their defense is bad. I just think the Lions should get to two and two, though, in this one. You got the Chargers visiting the Texans. Chargers, the name of the game for them, injuries. Bosa, Slater, Guyton, Keenan Allen, all out. Justin Herbert's got fractured rib cartilage, not 100%. They were awful last week. They're a bad second-half team this year, getting outscored minus 34 after halftime. And here's this, Brandon Staley, who everybody loves, everybody thinks he's, you know, this great forward-thinking coach because he goes for it on fourth down all the time, even though he hasn't won a damn thing. The Chargers are 0-3 on the road when they're a favorite outright under Brandon Staley. They're favored to go down to Houston and win. Remember the Texans, they and the Raiders are the only winless teams in the National Football League still. They have not scored a point in the fourth quarter this year. The only way they stay in this game is if they can affect it a little bit with the pass rush against a beat-up offensive line that the Chargers are going to take into this one. Tennessee visits Indianapolis in AFC South showdown. Nice to see the Titans finally get Derrick Henry going last week, but they've been outscored 36 to nothing in the second half the last two weeks. Not good. Despite the fact the Colts beat the Chiefs, you know what? This offense is still very lackluster. Jonathan Taylor could have a big game here today, but they've lost three in a row at home to this Tennessee team. And Matt Ryan's turned the ball over way too much. I The Colts are one of the biggest mysteries to me so far here in the first month of the season. Jacksonville, one of the big surprises. They visit Philadelphia. The Doug Peterson revenge game for the Jaguars head coach. Their defense is very good. Devin Lloyd looks like an absolute stud. The linebacker out of Utah, he could be like a defensive rookie of the year candidate. The Jags got a steal there. Um, I just think that this is a reality check game for Jacksonville. 
right? When you look at the quarterbacks they've played so far, they played Carson Wentz, they played Matt Ryan, and they played an injured Justin Herbert. This is a different breed altogether. Philadelphia is the only unbeaten team left, and they're one of the best teams in football. This could be a tough one here for the Jaguars. Arizona visits the Carolina Panthers. Cardinals, the one win they have was because of a miracle out in Vegas against the Raiders. They've only manufactured two sacks so far on defense. Um, weather could factor in this game in Carolina. Bottom line is, though, and I'm not a big Cardinals backer in any way, shape, or form, but in a game like this, I just seem to have a little bit more faith in Kyler Murray over Baker Mayfield. Panthers, though, have won their last six games against Arizona, but Baker has not been good, guys. He is not at all. I mean, he's completing 52% of his passes. That, that's brutal. Right? I mean, 52%. I could complete 52% of the, my passes in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, Christian McCaffrey dealing with a quad injury. Where have you heard that before? So if he plays, it's not going to be 100% for him. Patriots visit the Packers. They actually, the emperor up there in Foxborough, they released official word that Mac Jones is not going to start. Worst kept secret is out. Brian Hoyer or Bailey Zappi, the rookie, will get the nod for the Patriots. Doesn't really matter either way. Brian Hoyer's lost 11 consecutive starts. Packers should win this game comfortably. They've won 14 in a row at home during the regular season. They jump out early. I don't think there's any way that New England's going to be able to catch up because that means they're going to have to throw the football. Denver visits the Raiders. Broncos are 2-1 and one because of their defense. The offense stinks. Nate Hackett doesn't have a clue on the sidelines. Vegas, they're the only winless team along with Houston in the entire NFL They've only gotten two sacks this year with their defense. None by Chandler Jones, who was a big acquisition for them. Sunday night football, Chiefs, Bucks, rematch of the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. Kansas City was very sloppy in that game last week in all phases against the Colts. Tampa's defense has been great. Their offense has been terrible, right? And where did we think we'd ever say that with Tom Brady at the helm? They've scored three offensive touchdowns this season. They do get Mike Evans and uh, their left tackle, Donovan Smith, back in this game. Monday night, you get the Rams visiting the Niners. Uh, San Francisco's had the Rams number. Six wins in a row against them in the regular season. However, no Trent Williams on that offensive line. He's all banged up in a rematch of the NFC Championship game from last season. So that is our Around the League, our Week 4 showdowns in the National Football League. We will give you some picks coming up a little bit later on this hour, but when we return, We'll get a little giant preview. Our good pal Jordan Renan is going to join us to talk a little Giants-Bears. Dan Grasso with you till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
loved it. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Giants trying to get back in the win column on Sunday. They'll welcome in the Chicago Bears. And one of the gentlemen who will be taking it in is, of course, our good pal who covers the Giants for ESPN and a friend of the show. It is Jordan Renan. Jordan, how are things? Thanks for hopping on. How are you? They're, they're doing great, man. Life is good. I mean, you know, it might be not the easiest game to watch this week. Over, under, <laughs> 39. <laughs> and not expecting, not expecting a lot of points. I think you, you go, think go I, I think you take the under and run, my friend. Under and run. Well, there's the, here's the thing. Both teams, top four rushing in the NFL, mm-hmm. but they are, I believe, 31st and 32nd in pressure allowed for their quarterback. So there's the good, the, the good is the running game, but that doesn't produce a ton of points. And the bad is protecting the quarterback, which basically crushes your passing game. So. That's what we're right. for. But you know what? Somebody, Dan, out of these two teams is going to be 3-1. and one. And when the season started, <laughs> I don't think anybody would have pegged either of these two teams, the Bears probably even more than so than the Giants. That's how big an upset it would be if they're 3-1. and one. But uh, one of them is going to be in pretty decent shape through, through basically the quarter pole. You don't give the wins back. That's what we always say, and you're right. It is remarkable that one of these teams is going to win three out of their first four. And it's funny, you know, like when you look at the football locals on Sunday, they're both playing at 1 o'clock, and the Jets and Giants are probably playing the two worst offenses in football, the Steelers and the Bears, (laughs) depending on how you want to slice it. So like you said, there may not be a lot of points scored for any of these teams in any of these games that we're going to have to be watching here. But let let me go start with the quarterback here because – Look, he was running for his life on Monday. It wasn't pretty, and I think he did an admirable job of just trying to make something out of nothing. But the thing that surprises me, Jordan, is that there's actually people that are using that performance on Monday as a referendum on Daniel Jones as if it was his fault. What else is he supposed to do when his line isn't blocking for him? I think that's silly. I actually, if, I thought Daniel Jones played a really good game, like a really good game. He like, battled. Everything... Everything they've got on offense, right? And they did produce some offense. It's not like they had, like, 200 yards. I mean, they produced some offense was because he was able to, you know, use his legs and do, and do some things. I mean, he, he was under ridiculous pressure. I mean, like, you're not supposed to be pressured 24 times a game. Dan, it's the most of any quarterback this season. Only one quarterback in the last two years had, was pressured that much in a game. Like, I don't understand what people expect. Like, I understand you want him to, you know, lift other guys, and there's times where you say he should play better. But with what he's working with, like, where's his weapons, A, yep. and, and he's under consistent pressure, B, like, we have to be realistic of what, like, the expectations can't be, well, he should throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns against a really good defense. Like, how is he going to do that? Like, how? Tell me. I want to know the path because I'm pretty sure – Brian Dable and Mike Kafka would love to know how that's possible and how they could pull that off. Well, and now the task gets, you talk about available weapons. All right, let's leave the offensive line out of it. No Wondell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, they're not going to play. So it's not exactly a who's who of wide receivers for him on Sunday as well. This one might also be a little bit of a game that he is going to have to find a way to tough it out and find a way to rely heavily, of course, on Saquon, but just to churn out some yards against this Bears defense. 
Absolutely. I mean, look, the Giants, if there's one thing you've noticed, they're not shy about telling Daniel Jones he could run or designing run plays for him. I mean, he's on pace for, I believe it's like 134 rushes this year. That's more than any quarterback ran the ball last year. Right. I mean, that, that's where, that's where we're at. Like he, he's running the ball more than Josh Allen did last year. Like he's on pace for that. Like that's, so that's a big part of this offense. Now, how are the giants going to be able to create offense? I mean, they're at the point because Sterling Shepard is out too, obviously. Right. He right. tore his ACL. One of the crazier ones, by the way, I've ever seen. I've never seen a guy tear his ACL like that. Legitimately just jogging. Like he, he was nowhere cutting. near the play. He wasn't trying to explode. He was just jogging at the end of a play. It was that was wild, but so weapons wise, right? What does he have? Not much, and the Giants are getting thin. So the bottom line is, they're gonna have to get something out of Kenny Galladay and/or Darius Slayton. Like they have no choice at this point. Like they're those two guys are the guys that, you know, let's be fair. The Giants didn't didn't think that they were good enough, right? Because mm-hmm. that's why they haven't been playing, and now they're saying, well. We need you guys. We're, those are the two guys whose playing time is going to increase. So they have to get something out of them if they want to be able to move the ball offensively because as good and great as Saquon Barkley has been, you can't play with zero receivers. You'll end up like the Chicago Bears, quite frankly. That's true. And that's the thing that they have going for them, at least in this game with the giant defense. I mean, this Bears offense is horrible. Justin Fields um, – you know, I don't know if they trust him necessarily, but he never throws the ball. When he does throw the ball, he's I mean, thrown forty-five times in three games, and he's thrown four interceptions. One game, and he's thrown four interceptions in forty-five attempts, which is just mind-boggling here. Yeah. But here's what scares me: is that we know Chicago mm-hmm. could run the football. We saw how much of a problem yep. the Giants had stopping the run the other night with Leonard Williams not in there. And oh, by the way, Leonard Williams ain't playing again on Sunday. Nope. You know what though? And Dexter Lawrence brought this up, and I think there's a lot of merit to it. And he said, look, it wasn't that we were missing Dexter uh, – I mean, we were missing Leonard Williams, right? If they didn't do their damage mostly in the middle of the defense. They attacked our edges, and, and they did. If you go look at it, most of those big runs came by the uh, Dallas Cowboys attacking the Giants' edges. And if the Giants and Wink Martindale – look, they haven't been great up front. The front seven hasn't been great on the pastures. Like, they've been playing a lot of – safeties, a lot of nickel situations, but that's where you, right? If you're going to play a lot of nickel situation, team, especially in early downs, what is the way for other teams to beat that? Fine, we'll pound you. You yeah. want to put, you know, Dar- Darnay Holmes in the slot? Fine, we'll run the ball at him, you know, by running stretch runs and pitches at your cornerbacks and your, your slot cornerback. And that's really where the Giants, you know, kind of got beaten up. So it'll be interesting to see the adjustment this week. Uh, obviously not having Leonard Williams is not a positive. He's a really good player. Uh, but I think the Giants can get by Nick Williams, who played, who uh, started in his place, actually played pretty well. So uh, we'll, we'll see. This is a different running attack, the Bears. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely a tough test for the Giants for sure. Jordan Renan talking Giants with us here on 98.7 ESPN. Ojolari and Thibodeau. This is now their second game. They've got one under their belt. How much of a presence or more of a presence do you expect them to be? Because they were on a little bit of a pitch count on Monday night. They get a little bit more of a workload yeah. this week, you think? I think slowly we're going to see them, you know, inch up. I mean, Ojolari did some damage, especially early. Uh, you know, he forced a, a pair of holding penalties. He was just a little bit disruptive early. 
Uh, I didn't see uh, Thibodeau. I didn't see the explosion that we saw from him kind of before he was injured. I think that'll come back eventually. Uh, but, yes, yeah, slowly you're going to see their pitch count inch up. But think about it. Those two guys are what's their strength probably. They're, they're, they're pass rushers, right? Mm-hmm. Is this really the week that you're going to rely on them? Like, you almost want to play Jihad, Jihad Ward a little bit more this week. That's his game, right, stuffing the run. So I'm not sure you're going to see them, you know, jump up that much, maybe a little bit. But uh, unless, of course, the Giants jump ahead and Chicago's in pass rushing situation. But trust me, next two weeks, when you play Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, they're going to need those guys more. So get, get, get them ready for the next two weeks, let's be honest. Maybe this is too early to discuss, but you know what? We're having a conversation. We can have some fun. Saquon's been great, right? He, he really has Never. been, and he's going to be a big part of this game plan on Sunday, especially with the weather conditions, given what they might be. When do you yep. think it's too soon to start talking about the possibility, Jordan, of, hey, if he continues doing what he's doing, maybe he's trade bait at the trade deadline? I think it's a fair thought. Like, what, what do the Giants want to do with him? They, they, look, they're going to have to make a decision. And, look, I, I've criticized Dave Gettleman in the past for this. Like, you have to know what you want to do with these guys beforehand, right? He, he let Landon Collins – basically, they didn't trade him, and then they just let him walk. And they really did they, – they didn't even – like, the supplemental pick that everybody talks about, that only comes to fruition if you don't sign anybody, right? If you're losing more guys than you sign. So the Giants decide, okay, Saquon has this great year, and they decide we don't want to invest long-term in a running back. Saquon goes and signs somewhere else. The Giants are going to have a ton of money this offseason. They're going to go out and sign a bunch of players. So there is no compensatory pick that you're going to get for letting Saquon Barkley walk. So it's really a decision that they're going to have to make really midway through the season or whatever the, the trade deadline is. It's usually They've moved it back a little bit in the past few years, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair discussion. The Giants are rebuilding. Yep. Do they really want to invest in – a running back long-term or do they, are they willing to use the franchise tag on a running back? Say, you know, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but let's say 12 million ish, like for one year of a guy who quite frankly is their best offensive player. And who knows if he stays healthy. That's the big caveat here, of course, always. Uh, But do you want to use that franchise tag and then just, you know, bring him, carry him along for one more year? Will he be happy with that? These are all things, that the Giants need to figure out uh, moving forward. And also, he's the face of the franchise, you have to be honest. But they don't have that quarterback who's the face of the franchise. The face of this franchise, the guy that gets people excited, the guy that you come to training camp any day and you look at who the fans want want the autograph of, it's Saquon Barkley. And don't think for a second that means nothing to John Mara and Steve Fish and the ownership of this team. Because, look, those those season tickets, remember remember that Giants season ticket waiting list that used to be – uh, thirty, fifty thousand deep, or uh, whatever the, in the, the old number place was. for sure. Yeah. Well, guess what? Guess what? That that yeah. that that list is gone these days. Same for both teams. It's the same for both teams. But I think yeah. the stadium might have more to do with that than anything else. I mean, the performance certainly. Well, helps, there's but a I lot mean, of factors. There's a economics, lot of factors. the seat yeah. licenses, economics, right. the idea, the idea of the availability of getting seats nowadays. You I mean? Why invest in season tickets when you could just go to StubHub or, you know, whatever ticket broker online that you want 
and buy, all right, I'm only going to buy the tickets to the three or four games that I want to go to. I could get better seats and pay the same amount. And then the other days I could go home, I could sit at home, or if I have a, a prior engagement those days, I'm not obligated to be stuck with them. So there's a lot of reasons for it. Last thing here, and look, this is the first game that we're going to see Brian Dayball coach coming off of a loss. How you think it's too early to gauge how he gets his team to respond after some adversity like you faced the other night against the Cowboys, or are we making too much of it this early on? Yeah, I still think it's early. I don't know how much adversity the Giants feel like they're facing. They lost the game in the NFL to a pretty good team. I mean, you know, you could just kind of chalk it up. Okay, we lost the game, then we didn't play. We didn't play. But another winnable well. game. We got, we got, we got beat. Yeah, uh, they. I think they understand. No, I will say that. I think they understand that this is a big game for them because it's an opportunity for them to get to, to three and one with two tough games, you know, to follow. Right, and they're, they're, I think they're well aware of that. And Saquon said it today when he was asked, or yesterday actually, how there is a big difference between if they're two and two and three and one. Like there's, a, there's a big gap between those two records at this point of the season with, with kind of what's on deck for the Giants. So it'll be interesting to see how Brian Dable and his team react. But I, you know what, he's been really, uh, he's just kind of stuck to what we've seen so far. He's been really consistent in that regard. So I don't think it's going to – I don't. I wouldn't doubt that they're going to come out and, you know, kind of play the way they have in the first three weeks of the season. I'll tell you what, you don't even have to really be all invested in this game. I think it's worth watching, even if you don't have a dog in the fight, just for the fact that the Giants are wearing the 80s and 90s blue throwbacks, plus the Bears are wearing their uniforms. I mean, if that's not football nostalgia, yeah. Jordan, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that only lasts for so long, Dan. If it's like uh, – if this is like old school Big Ten football, I think uh, you know that, that that'll wear off pretty quickly. All you need is get, let's get Madden and Summerall on the mic for Sunday, and then we'll be back to those glory days. That's all we need. Yeah, that's all. Run we the need. ball, run the ball, run the ball. Let's you know grind it out, pound it out. Nine six. What do you think? Hey, you know what? If it's going to pour all day, you might be looking at 9-6. Let's face it, depending on how this game goes here. Thank you for a couple of minutes, well, we my friend, bears, as always. We know the Bears are used to that. Well, we know, know the, the bears, bears are used to that. that. We'll see. That. How about this? Um, oh. Over, under 15 pass attempts for Justin Fields. What do you think? I mean, that's his number, right? He's thrown 45 <laughs> in three weeks. I, I, would go, I would go under. There's no doubt in my that's mind. Incredible. I would go under 15. Joe Flacco's thrown 59 passes, and Justin Fields could barely crack 15. It's unbelievable. Jordan, enjoy it, buddy. We'll More do it again next week. All right, pal? Sounds good, Dan. Have a great show. All right, you be good, bro. There's Jordan Renan. Covers the Giants for us here at ESPN. We come back, squeeze in a couple of calls, and also NFL picks for week number four. It's Dan Grasso till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Dan Gross's show on this Football Friday, week number four edition. Time for the NFL picks. And you know, we need a bounce back. Didn't have a good week last week, but I'm feeling good about this one. Feeling good about these, so we'll take our shot here. Here we go. Game number one, and we're going to jolly old England. Vikings, Saints, little breakfast and football this morning, all right? You watch a little Viking Saints, then you turn the radio on at 11, listen to me and Greg, little pregame show, get you ready for the Jets and the Steelers. But what's going to happen in that game in London? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Saints are all banged up. Winston's not playing. Michael Thomas ain't going to be playing. You got Andy Dalton, who's not bad, right? He's professional. Guy's a winning quarterback in his career. But they also have the worst turnover differential in the NFL, and I don't see that changing in England. Kirk Cousins he has got more weapons at his disposal. And Kirk Cousins is, you know, say what you want about him. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. But it ain't a primetime game, and I have more faith in him and the Jeffersons of the world and Cook if they get him out and running. I think the Saints or the Vikings will do enough in this game, and I think they'll take care of it. It's only two and a half, so I'll take the minus two and a half, and the Vikings win this one outright. Game number one. Game number two, and it's not often that we roll with a team that is a rare favorite, a rare favorite almost spotted a touchdown here. But you know what? I'm feeling kind. I'm feeling generous. And more importantly, it's an anti-pick for the underdog more than anything else. And I'm talking about the Lions and the Seahawks. Seattle's not a good team. They're bad on offense. They're bad on defense. They've gotten torched on the ground the last couple of weeks. And the Lions have actually been pretty good offensively. They're averaging almost like 32 a game so far this season. Defense isn't that good, but you know what? They're not going to be tested this week because the Seahawks are garbage. The Lions are going to be 2-2, two and two, boys and girls. When was the last time we could say that? And I'll lay the 6. So give me Detroit minus 6 at home. They're going to win this one comfortably over the lousy Seahawks. Game number 3 will go NFC East. Washington, Dallas. Wentz. Rush. Is Cooper Rush really going to become the first quarterback in the history of the Cowboys to win his first four starts ever? Staubach, White, Aikman, Romo, Dak, whoever you want to say. I think it's going to happen. You know why? Because Washington's not good. And I know it's a division game. I know it's a rivalry game. But it's in Dallas. And I think the Cowboys will win this one at least by a touchdown. So I'll lay the three. Give me Dallas minus three, our third favorite in a row here in the picks. Game number four. Now, as you know, I don't like this team. I am not a believer in them in any which way. I don't like the coach. I don't like the quarterback. But I like I, 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 I think less of the team they're playing even more. And that is, of course, Arizona and Carolina. The one win Arizona got this year was in miraculous fashion. That was in Vegas against the Raiders. 
I just have more trust in Kyler Murray than I do Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's not playing good football this year, guys. He's not. Christian McCaffrey's dinged up again. We don't know if he's going to be 100% even if he plays. That does not spell good news for Carolina. I know that the Cardinals are having to travel cross country. They're getting two points. No matter. I think the Redbirds win this one outright. And the hot seat gets hotter for Matt Rule and company. Who knows? Sam Darnold's eligible to come off the IL soon for the Panthers. Maybe he gets his job back before long if they're going to keep playing this way under Baker Mayfield. Arizona plus two is our fourth pick. Last pick. We'll go out to the West. The AFC West. Broncos, 2-1, and one, lucky to be 2-1 and one because of their defense. Russell Wilson's making creepy Subway sandwich videos but can't get his team into the end zone with any sort of regularity. Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach leaves a lot to be desired. Vegas, meantime, remember all the publicity with the Raiders? Oh, you got Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Oh, you got Devontae Adams. What is that offense going to be like? Oh, you got Chandler Jones on defense. None of them have gotten going here. Vegas, the only 0-3 team left in the NFL until Sunday. I'm not a believer in this Broncos team, even though, stupidly, I picked them to be a surprise wild card this year. I think the Raiders are due. They'll finally get into the win column. I'll lay the two points. Give me Vegas minus two at home. They'll at least be a field goal better than the Broncos. So to recap... Vegas minus two over Denver. Arizona plus two over Carolina. Dallas minus three over Washington. Detroit minus six against Seattle. And Minnesota in London to take care of the Saints minus two and a half. Those are the Grassa week four NFL selections, which you can also find on the Cover 5 app, which you should be entered in already. NY22 is the code to join our league. I need to make up some ground, too because kind of been scuffling last couple of weeks. Uh, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Judge is on deck right now, or he's waiting to get in the batter's box, but there's some issue with the Baltimore pitcher right now, so they're checking him out. He kind of, you know, stubbed his toe or messed up his ankle or foot or something, landed off the mound, so he's waiting to throw his next pitch. So, Anita will keep you up to date on all that stuff throughout the evening. She's next with the Weekend Wager. I want to thank Jordan Renan. I want to thank Greg Buttle. I want to thank Tom Thayer. I want to thank Julian Kushnick and Tom Bauer. And thank all of you guys as well. I will talk to you again Sunday morning at 11, folks, for Jets pregame. Have a great rest of the weekend. Dan Grasso saying so long on 98.7 ESPN. Bye.